0: So this morning, uh, I'm gonna try not to be on a soapbox. Many of you guys have heard me preach many times on unity and what unity is. So it happens to be that our lectionary text this morning from Ephesians talks about unity. So Paul uh, was very intentional that unity was what uh, made Christians Christians. It it defines who we are as believers. So unity equals faithfulness, uh, as we continue our sermon series on faithfulness. And we're going to try to connect the dots. So, if you've been here the last three weeks, uh, the first week we talked about what? Who can tell me? First week of the sermon series. Get out of the boat. Peter walking on the water. All right. And then what did we talk about? Who knows? It's okay. The servants, right? We talked about the servants and the talents. All right. And then we moved on to last week. Does anybody remember? Abraham and Isaac. We talked about Abraham and Isaac. And this week we hear from Paul and how faithfulness in Christ restores the unity of God's So again, I've preached many sermons on faithfulness uh, in the past, about division, what that looks like, in hopes to create unity within our own faith community in order that we can live out our mission. And I believe that through the Holy Spirit, living word is unified in its mission to spread the love of God. Truly believe that we are a unified front to spread the gospel of Jesus to this community. But once we are a unified body, how do we continue to show our faithfulness to God? It's kind of the question that I came up with. How do we continue to spread the message of Christ and his unity around the global church? Because at the core of Paul's message this morning to the church in Ephesus is what makes us Christian. I've asked this question before. Is circumcision required to be a Christian? Is baptism required to be a Christian? Is being white, black, or brown required to be a Christian? Is being an American citizen required to be a Christian? Well, we look at all these questions and we, of course, unless we're insane, would say, no, none of those things are required to be a Christian. Baptism, it's a good thing. Baptism is a good thing, but it's not required. But during the times of Paul, there were folks who claimed that one must be a Jew first before becoming a Christian. Does anybody remember what that phrase is called? I'm trying here. The Judaizers. The Judaizers. So there were folks that you had to go through Jewish religion, Jewish culture, the law, in order to become a Christian. And likewise, I believe if we really think about it at the core, many of us today have an understanding of what a Christian must look and act like. What a Christian must look and act like. At least for me, brought up in the South, in the Bible Belt, there were certain ways a Christian behaved. And although if we look at the core of our theology here at Living Word, because theology matters, it truly does. So we saw him come to the altar this morning. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. We are told that we are both saint and sinner at the same time. That we'll never, ever, ever be a perfect human being. But we still may have an idea of what behavior a person must have prior to joining a church, for example. While I do believe Christians should have good moral standards and behaviors, The question is, do we or the Bible set what those standards look like? And what do they look like? So I grew up in circles, friends of mine, who couldn't dance or drink or smoke or hear certain music. And Amanda's parish growing up, there was a priest that said, no Harry Potter. You couldn't read Harry Potter, so I don't know if anybody's a Harry Potter fan. But they made all the kids bring their Harry Potter books. And my father told me he was a Kiss and ACDC fan growing up, and they attended a four-square gospel temple church. There's not many of them. I don't think there's any in Florida. And he had to bring his records to the church, and they burned his records. Did anybody have any of these experiences growing up? If you didn't, praise God that you didn't have these. But again, I do believe that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Paul tells us that in Romans 12. But the point here is that the Christian church is now in a part of history where all believers have to not look at the fine details as much on what separates us from each other, but at the ones that unify us. And that is how we show our faithfulness to God that we can look past the differences that we have from other believers and say, how do we as the body of Christ come together and work together to bring the message of God to the world? So again, I've said this before, I've started this online community uh, with all these different millennial pastors, and we range in tradition from Greek Orthodox, Lutheran, Baptist, non-denominational, and we even have some Jewish rabbis who have become dear friends. But the majority of the group does not fit into any defined mold. We're kind of strange. We're all different. And to be a part of this community, we ask kind of one question, and it's when you look at someone else that thinks differently than you, you have this motto in mind. You don't have to be wrong for me to be right. You don't have to be wrong for me to be right. You've heard me say this probably before. And this is the future of Christianity. And I believe it's a very beautiful thing. Especially looking at Paul's words for us this morning in Ephesians. And while certainly all of us have things that make our traditions, our understandings and our theology unique to the world, I lean on this old phrase, which I am sure many of you have heard, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. I believe it's amazing to see the whole body of Christ, the 2.2 billion people, working together to spread the gospel As a unified front and this is our faithfulness to the world because the remaining 4.7 billion people on this earth who need to hear the gospel of Jesus who need to hear his love his compassion and his forgiveness and we cannot expect any non-believer or member of any other religious groups to explore and question their faith for the faith of the true God if the people of God are not unified for the gospel. So Dr. Martin Luther tells us, faith is nothing else but adherence to the word. It is the word which breaks down the sinner, that's us in this room, by the law which raises up the believer in the gospel. So let's say this again. Faith is nothing else but adherence to the word, the Bible. It is the word, God's Bible, which breaks down the sinner, us, by the law, and which raises up the believer in the gospel. And what is the gospel? The good news of Christ. Therefore, our faith in Christ should according to Paul and Luther, it is to be shown by being a unified front of living the word in the world. And I, I think that's our name here, living word. To be a unified front of living the word in the world. It means letting the little things go, letting go of the things that separate Christians from each other, And it means accepting people where they are and going from there. Right? The woman at the well, prime example. Jesus went to her. Right? Jesus went to her. And at some point, he says, go and sin no more. He didn't start with that. He didn't start with her sin. He went to her. The most difficult piece of living in faithfulness is adhering to the entire Bible, not because it's the law. See, Paul tells us in verse 15 out of Ephesians this morning, he canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups making peace. Right? But. Putting God's word in our hearts is what's important. Paul tells us in Romans 10.8, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. We show our faithfulness by being reconciled to all believers. But in order to do this, we have to stop making faith so complicated. We have to stop putting artificial rulers for people to follow. And we have to focus back on what's important. For us Christians, this is simple. I quoted this earlier, Romans 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How complicated do we truly need to make our faith? How complicated do we need to make it for new believers or for elders of the church? I don't think very much. We need to show our faithfulness to the world by our unity with believers, telling others that Christ loves them, that Christ died for them, and that through Christ they are forgiven. And I believe it is in this most simple of tasks that all of us in this room this morning has the ability to change the very world that we live in. So the question is, will you continue to be faithful to God's calling on your life, to be unified to all believers, and will you change the world? Amen. Amen. God, we thank you that through your love that we are able to come to you, that you forgive us, God, for our sins, that, God, we do not deserve your love. We don't deserve your forgiveness. But God, through your blood, you have said, my children, come to me. I love you. And God, we we praise you for that love that you give us. God, enable all of us in this room to stop making faith more complicated than it is. To go out to our friends and our family members who need your love. Who think, church is just not for me. Faith is just not for me. Because it's simple. You love us, you care about us, and you forgive us. Help us, Lord.